It's 11.30 at KRVN, which means it's time for midday. It's Friday, finally Friday, and it's August 27th. Tyler Cavalli with you. Glad to be a part of your day. It's been a busy, busy week. Now going into Friday, it's becoming busy as the sports season gets going. Uh, State Fair is getting going as well, starting today officially, as you just heard our first report from Susan Littlefield. It's a lot happening, but it's a fun time of year. Jason Jorgensen is in for sports. Football officially starts across the state. We'll have a preview on that. Bob Rogan will tell us how stocks are performing ahead of the, well, after the announcement uh, from the uh, from Jerome Powell and see how they're performing after that. And, of course, coming up in about 15 minutes, Paul Perkins will join us to give us a weekend preview of our regional ag weather. But let's head to Grand Island and the Nebraska State Fair, where Susan is currently sitting at right now. Susan, how are things going there? It is going great. It has been uh, busy already this morning. We've got livestock are already entering for the 4-H kids. So lineup of trucks and trailers as they bring those animals in. Gates officially open at what time, or did they already? Uh, they officially opened at uh, 9 o'clock this morning, and they did the welcoming ceremony at 10. But we've got some nice crowds already moving through our building. Beautiful, beautiful. I'm sure people are just excited to get back to Nebraska State Fair after absence last year. And uh, glad that we have our booth once again. But you guys are busy coming up today on Midday. What do you have for us? Well, we're going to kick everything off here at 1219, as we always do on a Friday, and that's with Al Dutcher. He's going to talk a little bit about what's happening with this weather and the wet we're going to see and how long is that going to stick around. Then at 1245, Alex will be in. The first ever Heard That conference will take place. That's going to be September 15th in Lincoln. And then Clay will wrap up everything with the FNBOs. Friday's in the field, back to central Nebraska to check on the grape harvest at Max Creek Vineyards. So that's going to be a midday from the State Fair. All right, fun stuff happening. Uh, again, stop by and see you at the State Fair booth again. Which building are you in again? We are in the Pinnacle Bank Exhibit Hall. You can't miss us because Jim's got our big tower beacon up. Okay, good stuff. We'll enjoy the State Fair. We'll talk to you later. Sounds good. All right, let's turn things over to Jason Jorgensen. It's a great day in Nebraska, especially if you're a big uh, football fan. Yeah, lots of high school football. Most teams open up tonight. There were a few games Mm -hmm. last night, a few last week, but tonight is the opener. Uh, We'll have three games you can check out here on 880-KRVN. Tyler and Darren Hansel will have the call with Arapaho at Highline. Cammy Country in Lexington begins a year at Seward and on 93.1 the River, the big Cozad Gothenburg rivalry. Also, if you'd like to check out the Holders Dusters tonight, they have a tough one opening up against Adams Central. You can hear that on KUVR. We will preview all of that coming up at sports. Also, we'll talk some Husker football as Nebraska begins things year number four for Scott Frost on the road at Illinois. Kickoff tomorrow, 1220. Have the game on 880 KRV. And keep in mind this year, the Husker games are not on tune in. But if you would like uh, to listen to those, if you can't catch it on the radio, just go to krvn.com. Mm-hmm. That's the easiest way. You can hear that across the uh, Fruit of Plains. Yeah, good stuff there. Uh, big game and really setting a tone tomorrow for Huskers, I think, of how the season could go one way or another. They don't want to lose. They they don't want to lose. <laughs> Pitchforks maybe <laughs> yeah, out after torches. tomorrow. That's right. All right, thank you very much. Bob, how are stocks? They're climbing just a little bit today. They are close to their record highs even after the S&P 500 and NASDAQ clinched their latest on Wednesday. And Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell says the Fed will start dialing back its ultra-low interest rate policies this year, depending on a few factors. 
At the recent Nebraska Broadcasters Convention in Omaha, KRVN won six awards at the Awards of Excellence Banquet. KRVN Farm Director Susan Littlefield took home gold in the Service to Agriculture category for keeping agriculture safe during COVID-19. Morning News anchor Bob Brogan wins silver for Best Newscast. In the Best In-Depth Sports Story or Series category, Lana Green took home silver for Loafer Leadup and Jason Jorgensen won bronze for Husker Chat. Alex Wojcicki takes home silver for SCC Ag Club Fundraising Goal. And Bryce Duskit and Alex win silver in Best Online Video for Friday 5, McRib returns to Nebraska. In addition, sister stations in Scotts Club Holdridge and West Point took home honors in the following categories. Service to Ag, Best Continuing Coverage of a News Story, Best Use of Multimedia Journalism, and Service to Children. KRBN and the Nebraska Rural Radio Stations, your trusted voice for news, weather, sports, and ag. Thanks. Tampa Regional Ag Weather Update. Paul Perkins is now joining us. And before we touch on weather, this kind of relates to weather as well, but... uh, (laughs) We talked about this last hour for just joining us, and I mentioned this uh, yesterday as well, that uh, we have an exciting uh, lineup coming up for you on Monday um, with Scott's departure. It uh, you know opens up some new things and opportunities, and with that, again, if you missed the last hour, we announced our new lineup starting on Monday morning. Clay Patton is the morning host from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., you're stuck with me here, whether you like it or not, uh, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And Paul Perkins is our new afternoon host on Monday from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Congratulations, Paul, and we look forward to having you in the afternoons now. Yeah, yeah looking forward to it. Uh, remind me to hand off the official KRVN alarm clock to Clay Patton's because it's always guaranteed to wake you up uh, in the morning, regardless of what hour it is. Yeah, you'll get to sleep in now, and Clay will now have to wake up uh, before everybody else does. So it's funny how things will now trade off. But yeah, in the afternoon, uh, still going to, of course, uh, pay attention to the weather. Uh, severe weather always seems to, of course, break out in the late afternoon. We'll have the access, and of course, I'll be able to kind of give you some good insight as to what's happening with severe weather when it does hit across mm-hmm. the area. Uh, keep an eye on the sky, I guess it, you could say. Right, and along with that, doing a lot of the same things that you're doing in the in the morning as well. Take that to the afternoon. And along with that, we have some more exciting news down the road later this year that we'll be able to announce to you that I, I, I know they'll like. Right, Paul? They're going to like this new upcoming announcement as well. Yeah, let's just say it's been requested. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> many, many times. Yeah, correct. All right, very good. So congratulations uh, to everybody. And we're yes, looking ex- forward to it. Yeah. Excited for this yeah. to start on Monday. All right, before we get to Monday, though, how about the weather this upcoming weekend? Looks like uh, we do have a good chance of some thunderstorms by tomorrow night with the cold front moving through. Still a couple of uh, heat-filled days today with a lot of us getting into the 90s today and tomorrow, but looks like Sunday going to be a good day, especially if you're maybe headed to the Nebraska State Fair. Yeah, speaking of the State Fair, you were just looking at uh, the Vieira Wireless camera right now, and it looks like it's uh, a pretty solid day in Grand Island. Yes, uh, some a mix of sun and clouds, but those clouds expected to burn off. Uh, right now, most of the clouds actually over uh, Grand Island and just to the east, but also into northeast Nebraska, thanks to some departing showers that moved through this morning. Didn't dump a whole lot of rain, but they did move through. We had some listener reports of 30 hundreds towards the Henley area and about just over a tenth of an inch to the south of Elwood, mainly some light amounts with those rains. 
But today, uh, overall, for most of us here in Nebraska, Kansas, and Colorado, it's going to be another warm one. Yeah, starting to heat up already. Uh, luckily, the humidity, not a big issue right now. Uh, the higher dew points on into eastern Nebraska, where we do have dew points into the upper 60s to low 70s. Otherwise, fairly comfortable on that humidity in many locations. Temperature is pretty decent. Upper 70s to low 80s in much of Nebraska, at least in the west and central. Those temperatures more so in the mid-80s to around 90 as you head towards southeast Nebraska into northern Kansas and already up to 92 on the temperature in the Concordia area, 90 at Smith Center. Those dew points, uh, once again, close to 70, so we are seeing some higher heat index readings into eastern Nebraska, all the way up to 97 in Omaha and Beatrice on the feels-like reading. We did have a little bit of light rain move northeast through the region this morning. That activity now just to the east of West Point, moving into northwestern Iowa. Just the end of a area of low pressure and a cold front, both today and tomorrow, continuing to be about 10 to 15 degrees warmer than average. That higher humidity from the southerly winds in some areas, making that heat index ringing up to the upper 90s to the low 100s. A few thunderstorms are possible during the late today, uh, late today on into tomorrow, but it looks like the better chance of thunderstorms will be tomorrow night. Those chances increasing to likely with the pass of that passage of that cold front by tomorrow night. Some of the storms could be severe right now. It looks like the higher chances of severe weather over northeastern Nebraska. Rain totals expected to be right around a half an inch in many locations that do see rain. Higher amounts of one to two inches are possible in northern areas of Nebraska. A few more thunderstorms could pop up again for a Sunday into Sunday night. In behind that front, we're going to see one day of seasonal temperatures cooling to seasonal levels behind that front on Sunday. Monday through Tuesday, back to mostly dry and slightly warmer than normal with the ridge of high pressure building north from New Mexico. Thunderstorm chances starting to return by Wednesday through Thursday and something to watch late next week. There is one forecast bundle indicating a tropical disturbance will lift up from the desert southwest and onto the plains Thursday night into Friday, possibly sending the stage for some locally heavy rain. In our latest long-term forecast, those temperatures trending slightly cooler now. Warmer than normal temperatures do remain likely for Nebraska and Kansas the late half of next week. But by next weekend through September 9th, temperatures starting to drop back to seasonal or near-normal levels for Nebraska and Kansas. In the early part of September, central Nebraska's daytime highs normally in the low 80s with average overnight lows in the mid to upper 50s. Above normal rainfall is likely for Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the central and eastern U.S. Wednesday through September 9th. Looks like our higher chances for rain in Nebraska and Kansas late next week. Key weather factors driving the markets include heavy rain forecast for the upper Midwest, tropical storm, and eventual Hurricane Ida coming to the Gulf of Mexico, and rainfall across South America. Significant rain will continue into the weekend across the upper Midwest. The rain, which could total an additional 2 to 4 inches, may benefit soybeans and other immature summer crops. Tropical storm Ida continuing to strengthen, perhaps rapidly, and it could reach Louisiana. It should reach, actually, Louisiana. Louisiana or Mississippi on Sunday. Ida could be a major hurricane with sustained winds greater than 110 miles per hour at landfall, resulting in potentially catastrophic damage to, due to flooding rains, high winds, and coastal storm surge. In the Delta and Southeast U.S., heavy rainfall from Ida could create flood damage for filling cotton and soybeans. Very little rain expected over the next five days from the Pacific Coast to the Southern Plains. An exception right here in Nebraska where it, re where it remains fairly active over the next week. 
Mixed conditions continue to leave some of the southern plains doing well, while others need more moisture. With winter wheat planting coming soon, more consistent rain and lower temperatures will be favorable. In southern Brazil, rain continues through the weekend, benefiting the developing to reproductive wheat where it occurs. More moisture needed farther north in Brazil just before their wet season and significant spring planting. So how about tonight for opening night of high school football across Nebraska and Kansas as well? Uh, what are we looking at? Uh, temperature is going to be warm initially at kickoff time. Yeah, exactly. Those temperatures on into the 80s. Uh, uh, been on the humid side, those winds starting to die down, so that'll actually make mm-hmm. it probably feel pretty warm, for, especially for the players. Maybe some spotty thunderstorms, but it looks like that more likely chance of thunderstorms tomorrow night. Okay, sounds good. Well, for a full weekend forecast, where can somebody find that? Weather page, krbn.com. Thank you, Paul. 653. Chad Moyer with you here on the Rural Radio Network. It is time for our weekly conversation with Nebraska's ag climatologist, Al Dutcher. Al, uh, it turned out to be kind of a warm week here and some precipitation in the second half of the week. What's in store for us uh, the week ahead? What are you looking at, Al? Well, I think there's two things we're looking at. First, the this trough that we've been dealing with this week that was expected to blow through the region as we got into the midweek period, and it's just kind of hung up and delayed somewhat. And then, of course, Hurricane Ida, or which will be Hurricane Ida within probably the next 24 hours as it moves past eastern Cuba. And then the northwest track right now is going to take it right up into the central Louisiana coast. So that system is probably going to interact with this trough that is expected to move through this region this weekend, and that will probably force a lot of the moisture from Ida basically be deflected up to the the mid-Atlantic region since the trough itself will be digging down by the time it makes landfall on Sunday evening, Monday morning be basically sitting right along the Mason-Dixon line, which is basically that area of southern Ohio River Valley. So that's where the bigger convergence with that. The good thing about that system is it's going very fast, so most of the heavy precipitation will be right along the, the coastline, and it'll rapidly decrease as it goes up toward the north and then eventually toward the northeast. For us, the big thing is, is how quickly will this trough move across the northern plains? We've seen some big heavy precipitation across Minnesota and parts of Nebraska as that front has generated thunderstorm activity. That is expected to slowly transfer its way through, and we should see that front finally push through eastern Nebraska as we get into tomorrow night into Monday morning, or excuse me, Sunday morning. Then from that point, we get a little break. And there's a couple waves as the ridge starts to build back in after we get the brief cool down on Sunday night through Tuesday. There's, it looks like a couple waves that are going to move around the periphery of that ridge or is projected to move around the periphery of that ridge building into our region. So that puts eastern Nebraska on that front end of the ridge. In fact, the GFS model is indicating a fairly widespread precipitation event to develop across northeast and east-central Nebraska as we go to Sunday night into Monday. So we'll see whether or not that does verify out. And if it does, right now it's projecting anywhere from an inch to two inches in that region. So we'll hope that that verifies out. But even heavier precipitation over southern Minnesota and northern Iowa. From that point forward, we start to see the ridge taking hold. There's a few little ridge runners that are showing in eastern Nebraska, but not a lot of output. But temperatures are going to jump right back up into the upper 80s to the low 90s. And when you go in through the Labor Day weekend, it looks like that ridge is going to hold in place and start to break down as we get into the late into the, the holiday weekend. So essentially Monday, it looks like it's going to start breaking down. We should see some thunderstorm activity developing in western Nebraska in relation to another trough moon across the northern plains. 
and then we should see some of that precipitation starting to come in here. Basically, they're saying around the 6th that we'll start to see some of that move into the west, and then the 7th and 8th, another cold front goes through the state, and that one really is pushing a lot of heavy precipitation for eastern Nebraska. So it looks like the opportunities for moisture are starting to appear. It doesn't look like the heat is going to be nearly as aggressive, but it's still going to be above normal. And we're slowly moving toward that time where we're going to start to see some cool down. And in fact, the GFS model is indicating as we get into the second full week of September that we should see a pretty significant cool down, more fall-like temperatures. We'll see whether or not that verifies. But overall, it does look like maybe a cooling trend and a much wetter trend is developing starting into the first part of September than was initially forecasted by the Climate Prediction Center, which was indicating a lot drier conditions. As always, great insight. Thank you so much for the information. Nebraska Ag Climatologist Al Dutcher and our weekly update here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting. It is time for Midday Sports. Sports director Jason Jorgensen is now joining us. And uh, it's a good day if you uh, like football, especially high school football here in Nebraska. Season openers tonight. Kozad will host Gothenburg for the Swedes. They return the core of last year's team that finished the year playing very well. And head coach Craig Hakey is pretty excited. Our numbers aren't real big for the whole team, but we got a lot of experience coming back. Uh, A lot of, honestly, sophomores that played a lot of football last year. And, you know, we... Made it into the first round of the playoffs and, and lost uh, in overtime. So we feel good about uh, you know what we have coming back. For the Haymakers, they have a new head coach in Jace Doolin, and he says no pressure in his opener in Kozad. Uh, yeah, nothing, nothing like starting with the the biggest rivalry in the school, and going to find out what Kozad football is all about on Friday night. I think the kids um, are pretty excited this week. It's a Really big rivalry around the area, and everybody, all the area towns know that. Kickoff is set for seven from Haymaker Stadium. We will bring you that game on 93.1 on the river. In terms of the rivalry, though, this has been one-sided of late. Gothenburg has won five out of the last six, although Kozad won last year. In the last ten years, Gothenburg has also won eight of the 12 matchups. Wow. Wow. There's not a more underrated coach in the state of yes. Nebraska and Craig Hakey at Gothenburg. Well, look what happened last year. Injuries, young team, a lot of experienced graduates, tough schedule to open up, but you go, what, one and three overall? Yeah. And then you win, what? F- Five of six. Yeah, and you go to playoffs and you almost upset on the road in Lincoln. Yeah. And that's most, a heck of a job. Most of those guys are back. Swedes are going to be pretty solid, yeah. and so will uh, Kozad. Looking forward to that. You will have the Arapahoe at Highline game tonight here on 880-KRVN. That'll be interesting. Should be good. A lot of players coming back for both teams. Highline says that they think they're faster now than last year. And if you ever saw the Bulls last season, they were quick. And so they interested were. to see what happens this fall. And tonight, Cami Country, Lexington at Seward. And on KUVR, tough one for Holdridge mm-hmm. opening up against Adam Central. <laughs> it would be news if Adam Central did not start the year ranked in the top ten, Correct. especially when they're C1. Well, good luck to the Dusters. Yeah. Hope that they can hold their own. <laughs> Nebraska opens up the season tomorrow at Illinois. Head coach Scott Frost says it'll be nice to have things closer to normal this fall. College football is a better game when the fans are involved. Uh, there's more passion in college football than any other sport, in my opinion. We missed our fans. Hope there's a lot of Nebraska fans fans in the stadium on Saturday. That's part of the experience that you love. And I, I can't wait to get on the field with this group of kids. This is, this is far and away my favorite group of kids I've been around uh, since I've been here.
Kickoff set for 12-20 tomorrow. We'll bring you the game here on 880-KRVN. Husker Volleyball opens up tonight at 6 against Colgate. Tomorrow afternoon at 4 against K-State. We'll have that game on Cami Country. So a little bit of this, a little bit of that. A lot going on. You know, last hour we were talking about Nebraska football. If they were to lose at Illinois, obviously the pressure really amps up for the coaching staff. One thing, though, that they've also mentioned a lot on Sports Nightly, and there's been a lot of other talk uh, in Nebraska overall, is this sellout streak. And people are worried that if Nebraska loses this opening game, probably not the first game next Saturday, but down the road, if things don't go well, will that sellout streak end? Maybe. I don't know. They should win tomorrow. They should. They're they, favored they, by seven. We've said that before, but they should win. Brett Bielema and, and, and company, they're, they're great coaching staff, so this is not going to be easy for them to go in there and try to win for Nebraska. It's going to be very interesting. The, I, I don't know, I think it's going to be a blowout one no, way or another. No, it, it won't be. Not like Four-quarter game. Yeah, it's not like the old days where you could say, oh, no, no, Nebraska goes on the road. And Illinois routed Nebraska right. last year in Lincoln. I think some people forget about that. Choose to forget about that, I think <laughs> is the was correct That was an ugly word. day. <laughs> All right, thank you. Hi, this is Greg Sharp. The Husker football team opens the 2021 season on the road against Big Ten foe Illinois. Catch every snap against the Illini on the longest-running Husker football affiliate, KRVN. Good to you. Nebraska's population grew at the same rate as the rest of the nation for the first time in at least 120 years, breaking the cycle in which the state consistently trailed the United States average, according to the new U.S. Census data. That according to the University of Nebraska Omaha's Center for Public Affairs Research. The center's research coordinator, David Drews, says that's a significant finding. So we can see that in this latest decade, here in the 2010s, we grew by 7.4%. That is a good number. If you compare across back to all these decades, going all the way back to the 1900s, if you take out this fast-growing 1990s decade, which was kind of a rebound from the low growth of the 1980s and the farm crisis when a lot of people moved out of the state, if you take out the 90s, the 2010s growth rate was the highest in 100 years, going all the way back to when it was uh, 8.7% growth in the 1910s. Nebraska's population totaled 1,961,504 as of 2020, according to the census numbers. Drew says the growth reflected in the most recent census will allow Nebraska to maintain its current three seats in the House of Representatives. A Florida man set to stand trial for second-degree murder in the fatal July shooting of his father in Omaha reportedly told police his father asked to be shot. The Omaha World Herald reports a judge on Wednesday ordered 23-year-old Julian Lopez to stand trial on the murder charge and a weapons count in the July 16th shooting death of 40-year-old Jose Valenzuela. Lopez, who has schizophrenia, was visiting his father at the time of the shooting. A detective testified that Lopez told him his father walked into Lopez's room with the gun and told Lopez to shoot him. With an increasing number of hospitalizations in Nebraska, Governor Pete Ricketts on Thursday afternoon declared a hospital staffing emergency in the state. 
The declaration involves a new executive order reinstituting the relaxed health care licensing and credentialing requirements that were in place earlier in the pandemic, as well as a new directed health measure effective Monday limiting certain elective surgeries procedures that can be pushed out for or more weeks. Ricketts explained the rationale behind the decision during a news conference with reporters. We were talking to the CMOs and the CEOs of the various hospital systems about what they were seeing. And again, what I'm reflecting is what they were telling us with regard to, yes, we're not at the same level of hospitalizations for coronavirus that we were, um, you know, in November of 2020. However, we are seeing a lot more people in the hospital for other reasons. And so that is putting pressure on that is different from what we saw last fall. As of Wednesday, 11% of hospital beds statewide were COVID patients and 89% were non-COVID with 25% bed availability. That compares to the peak last November where 32% of hospitalizations were for coronavirus and bed availability was slightly higher at 29%. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm waiting for you. Coming to Lincoln, it's the brand new Heard That Conference, and today we're getting all the details with Jesse Fulton. He's the director of the Beef Quality Assurance Program in Nebraska. Jesse, this is something that is super exciting for you guys. It's it's just getting launched. So 30,000-foot perspective, what is the Heard That Conference? Hey, Alex. It's great to be here today. Um, the Heard That Conference, first time we've ever done it. It's hosted by the Women in Agriculture with a partnership from Nebraska Beef Quality Assurance Program. And what it is is going to be the first time that the Women in Ag has done a livestock conference, essentially. Um, we're going to cover off on many different topics. Uh, we're going to have uh, be, be discussing livestock insurance, being prepared for what the worst might happen with your herd. Uh, we have a veterinarian coming in talking about how to be prepared uh, when maybe you know we have some kind of accident on the operation with our herd and how we can be better prepared for that. Um, we're going to be discussing risk management. Um, we're going to be talking about understanding mineral tags, and, and producers actually have a great opportunity with this session because they can bring in their mineral tag, and Dr. Mary Drzanowski will be there, and she will actually be willing to discuss the mineral tag with you and, and cover off on it maybe uh, what you might be missing in your mineral program. We're going to be talking about grazing behavior, uh, winter nutrition for late gestating cows, and then cash pasture leases. Um, We also have two keynotes, uh, two very exciting keynotes. We have Lance Zimmerman with Cattle Facts coming in, and he's going to be doing a cattle market uh, outlook for us. And then we have a keynote speaker from Culver's, and I know a lot of people like eating at the restaurant, um, so we're bringing in Allison Weedig, and she's coming in to speak about what Culver's is doing in the realm of sustainability and connecting consumers with where their products come from. Um, So we're really excited about those keynotes. We're really excited about all the sessions we got lined up. Awesome. So it sounds like from those courses and sessions that are being offered, Jesse, it really covers all aspects of beef production. Um, In addition, you kind of briefly mentioned this, but you're also having some livestock demonstrations. Tell me a little bit more about this. Yes, yes. So we are doing some uh, livestock handling and, and more demonstrations. Um, so we're bringing in Dr. Temple Grandin from Colorado State University. Um, many people know who Dr. Grandin is. She was very influential um, back in the day on how we design our low-stress cattle handling facilities and just our practices 
of low stress cattle handling. Um, and we, she's going to be joined with Dr. Dean Fish, who is a nationally recognized stockman. Um, he manages the Santa Fe Ranch down in Nogales, Arizona. Um, so he'll be joining her. We're going to be uh, over at the Animal Science Arena there on campus, and we're going to bring in live cattle and actually have a facility set up where as Dr. Temple Grandin is speaking on you know, using cattle's natural behavior and working them in low-stress methods. We're actually going to have Dr. Fish down in the arena with the cattle, demonstrating it live for the people so they have a better understanding of it um, when it comes to using those natural behaviors of cattle when we work them in a low-stress manner. Awesome. So, Jesse, I'd venture to say for the people who just heard the names Temple Grandin and Dean Fish, their ears probably perked up a little bit. Those are some pretty prominent names in the livestock industry. So for those who are listening and are interested in learning more about the Herd That Conference and getting registered to attend, what's the information they need to know? Yeah, so um, to get registered for the event, they just need to go to wia.unl.edu. Um, they can get registered online. The full event is $80. Um, however, uh, we know some people might not be wanting to come to the full event. They may be interested in only the cattle handling portion. Um, they can register for just it. It's only $20. Um, for the folks that are going to attend the whole event, it does start uh, on September the 15th at 8 a.m., and we will be going until 3.30 in the afternoon. And so those that are registered for the full event will have lunch served to them. Um, we will be on East Campus at the Animal Science Complex, um, and I would highly encourage attendees to go ahead and get registered as soon as possible because, Alex, as you know, um, you know uh, the university is a little picky about parking, and so we want to make sure we get your parking passes mailed out to you in time so that you have them, so that you have no issues parking on campus that day. All right, that is the inaugural Heard That conference coming up September 15th in Lincoln. Jesse, what else is important to mention on this that, that we haven't talked about? You know, I think we've covered a lot of it. I, I really encourage attendees to come to this. It's a great opportunity um, for you all to, to be able to, you know, get some more continuing education and what you could take back to your operation uh, to be more profitable, more more sustainable. And and while it is the Women in Agriculture Conference, everybody's allowed to come. So so ladies, if you want to come or bring your husbands or if there's any guys out there that want to join us, they can definitely come for this event. It is not excluded uh, to just women only. Definitely come on out. Um, we'll have students there as well probably from from campus coming over and joining us for the event. So everyone's invited. I hope you come uh, for this event. All right. Something to look forward to, Jesse. Thanks so much. Thank you. Again, we've been visiting with Jesse Fulton. He's the director of the Beef Quality Assurance Program here in Nebraska. Again, that Heard That Conference, it's coming up September 15th in Lincoln at the Animal Science Complex at UNL. It's hosted by both the Nebraska Women in Agriculture Program along with the Nebraska Beef Quality Assurance Program. And you can get registered by going to wia.unl.edu. From the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska's soybean farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Wall Street is rallying today after the head of the Federal Reserve said it's still far from pulling interest rates off the record low that has helped the market soar, even if it does begin dialing back its support for the economy later this year. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Rogan. 
The S&P 500 was nine-tenths of a percent higher in afternoon trading and back above its all-time high set on Wednesday. In a highly anticipated speech, the Fed's chair said that one milestone has been reached for the central bank to slow a bond-buying program that's assisting the economy, but he stressed that the move toward eventually raising rates will be a gradual one. Growth in U.S. consumer spending slowed in July to a modest increase of three-tenths of a percent, while inflation over the past 12 months rose to the fastest pace in three decades. The Commerce Department says July's increase in spending was down sharply from a 1.1% rise in June, a sign that the surge in the Delta variant of the coronavirus was having an impact on consumer spending. Southwest Airlines is reducing the number of flights it will operate for the rest of this year. Southwest has struggled all summer with high numbers of delayed and canceled flights. CEO Gary Kelly says cutting the schedule should create a more reliable travel experience. Peloton says it's been subpoenaed by the Justice Department and the Department of Homeland Security for documents and other information related to its reporting of injuries associated with its products. The exercise equipment company also said in a regulatory filing today that the Securities and Exchange Commission is investigating our public disclosures concerning these matters. In May, Peloton recalled about 125,000 of its treadmills less than a month after denying they were dangerous despite the death of at least one child and injuries to 29 others. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Equal Housing Lender. The great big small bank. We're back in central Nebraska, Lexington at Max Creek Vineyard and Winery and talking once again with Max McFarlane. Max, when our last segment, we're getting awfully close to harvest. How has the grape crop progressed and are you into harvest now? The short answer is yes, we are into harvest. This heat has really kind of accelerated things. They did a little catching up. Uh, we were a little earlier than we anticipated. We started about a week, 10 days ago. We've got uh, most of the whites in. We still have another uh, late season white to go. And we've got this beautiful red vine sitting right mm-hmm. behind us. You can see some of that coming in. How can you tell when a grape is ready for harvest? We look at several different factors. We uh, will go out and gather samples, uh, take them into the lab and, and test them. We're looking at pH. We're looking at uh, bricks or sugar content flavor or the shortened version would be we send the winemaker out to the vineyard and he'll grab a grape he'll tell us exactly when it's time to pick (laughs) and one thing you said you've noticed here on these red grapes that you've seen a little bit heavier bird population starting to move into the area does that give you any indication that things are getting it certainly it certainly does Uh, you know you start to see the birds uh, begin to show up just when these grapes hit what's called verasion and that the uh, white grapes will all grapes are green but when they start to soften and turn a yellow gold they're sugaring up getting sweeter uh, the red ones uh, same way when they start to turn from green to red uh, and start to soften they're getting sweet and you can tell um, I tell people it's uh, around here it's a lot like raccoons and sweet corn they're into it about two weeks before it's ready to be picked but you can you certainly can tell just by the sheer pressure of the birds uh, now that we've got the whites out the bird pressure on the reds are really getting intense and so we're going to step that up and pick a little earlier when it comes to the grape <laughs> harvest itself there are machinery available to help mechanically mm-hmm. harvest but max creek chooses to still do things by hand is it more from a cost benefit analysis or is it from the purity of the product at the end it's really both uh, those machines are very costly but uh, uh, they work quite well when they're set right and what have you and 
you know, you, you need to have a certain amount of acres uh, to be able to, to justify that kind of thing. The other side of that is, depending on the kind of wine that the winemaker wants to make, the whole idea of, uh, of the amount of, of time of skin contact with the juice itself has to be very tightly controlled. And when the machine picks those and macerates the grapes too much, um, and then it might be hours before they arrive at the winery, the, the skin uh, juice contact is way longer than when what we like it to be and so we can control that quality much much better when it comes in. How important is the late summer early fall time frame for tourist attraction and folks visiting the winery? Very fun time. Kind of get into that fall mood, you know, kids are back in school. We're listening to the high school band when we're out here crushing grapes in the morning. You know it's it's harvest time. And the the events and special things that we do change a little bit to more weekends and that sort of thing. But uh, it's, a, it's a very popular time for tourists to be out and about. They love experiencing the fall, the coolness out on the creek. And so uh, we get incredibly busy. We were just going over that. We had a meeting uh, uh, the other morning, and uh, September's just jammed full of all sorts of things. Then we get into October and Mactoberfest and uh, all of a sudden we're into November and Christmas on the Creek. <laughs> that is Max McFarlow of Max Creek Winery and Vineyard here near Lexington, Nebraska. It's Fridays in the Field brought to you by FNBO, the great big small bank. In the car, at work, and now in your home. Ask Alexa to enable KRVN on your smart speaker. Play Patton back on the Rural Radio Network. Now let's check in with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the Daily Newsletter this week in Grain. John, for the most part, uh, trying to make positive closes on the day, but really the Grain's not wanting to uh, play with the rest of the commodity market when it comes to that down dollar. We see crude higher, higher precious metals higher. So what were the Grain's kind of concerned with here on Friday? Well, we had first notice day constraints on Monday. I think the market's trying to jostle with that, as well as options expiring can't speak to why the market wasn't following those those uh, those other macro markets, but I, I think that you have to be pretty encouraged here with the close, not just on um, on the flat price, the spreads as well. S September corn jumped over December now, closing five over, and I think we'll see that expand next week. Basis out east is like a dollar over. In Illinois here, they're screaming for it, um, you know, and I, I just think that has to jive with the board at some point. So you're going to see a bunch of uh, – you know, trade desk clerks try to push speculators out of that front month come Monday. See if you uh, can resist the temptation to roll to December and then hold into delivery. I think you might get rewarded. Uh, in the case of soybeans, I think you've seen that kind of reflected already. I think beans have much more of an exposure to the storm that's coming up the Gulf. Uh, so by Monday, we could have, you know, it could come through and, and, and fizzle out. But I think you've got some estimations here that the, the port of New Orleans is going to be closed for, you know, a few days at least. Uh, if not more, uh, depending on the damage that comes. Right now they're calling for a Cat 3 hurricane. Uh, if that would change at all and increase over the weekend, I imagine you'll see some prices jump, at least in those front-month contracts. I think that's where the value is right now. Speaking of that hurricane, can the Corn Belt expect to see any moisture as a result of the hurricane further to the north and the west? Well, the north and the west should get it, at least according to the models right now. 
it's really, I think, you look at I-80, and, and south of I-80, they haven't gotten much rain. So you're talking about Missouri beans, southern Iowa beans. Uh, the areas in the northern part of the state all the way up into Minnesota, they're starting to get rain now. Uh, now, is it too late compared to what was damaged earlier? I'm not an agronomist to tell you that, but I think the trade itself could see another reduction in crop ratings on Monday, given that the southern states are, you know, especially Minnesota, or I'm sorry, Missouri and Iowa are, are, are struggling a little bit. Uh, going out east now, I think the rains are really going to help the folks double cropping. And that's, that's where you watch the, where, where the storm goes. If it would divert up north, closer to Indiana, Ohio, uh, I think that's a really good sign for, for bean yields. Um, those folks could increase dramatically off of what they're looking at now. Uh, if it stays south and stays south of the Ohio River, uh, you know, we're not looking at any rain over the next week and a half. So there could be a problem popping up there. He, you know, these are all small, small, little problems at this point, but uh, enough to keep us off the trend yield. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zang Marketing in Chicago, and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. You can always learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, train future options involve risk of loss.